Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, a boutique real estate firm that is home to over 30 real estate sales and marketing consultants who service home buyers and home sellers throughout Boston, the South Shore, the South Coast, and Cape Cod. Our firm takes pride in assisting our clients in the next chapter of their lives by taking a holistic approach to their real estate endeavors. We believe that every move should be a moving experience. Every week, my real estate team member, Mary Baker, and I, along with the director of Boston Connect Real Estate, Melissa Wallace, provide you with our unique marketing approach to selling homes and share with you our expertise in navigating the home buying process. We like to mix it up sometimes, so not only will you hear our perspective on real estate topics, but you will hear the expert thoughts and opinions of some of our real estate agents at Boston Connect Real Estate and the preferred professionals that we trust. Be part of our roundtable. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts at Talk Real Estate Roundtable. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team or one of the dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate to discuss your real estate needs, you can connect with us at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. Hello to all my South Shore neighbors. This is Sharon McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate, and somebody just announced that. So here we are. <laughs> I am with my team tonight. I have Mary Baker. Hello, hello. Hi, I missed you last week. Uh, yeah, where were you? Oh, yeah, I you was were upstairs. Yeah, you were upstairs working <laughs> on upstairs like multiple, having a panic, multiple panic offers and all other <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff. It was just me and Mel last week, uh, which we had a great show last week, you actually. Did. You did. Yeah, I, I listened to it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I had to think for a second what we talked about, but we talked a lot of crap. Yeah, we did. We talked crap. We had um, a we had a sanitarian on with us, and we Is talked it? all crap. That's the real term, sanitarian. Yeah. I was like, I bet you got the poop, right? You got the poop on this topic. So uh, we also have Melissa Wallace joining us this evening. Hello, Mel's. Hello. And Melissa is, um, as you know, to our WATD listeners, she is taking care of all of our Instagram and our Facebook feeds and all that good social media stuff. Uh, we are live tonight and we are with one of my favorite people on the South Shore as well. And um, I'm going to do the introduction. You ready? So we have Chris Devin from Cross Country Mortgage, right? We put the mortgage on the end of that. You got it. Cross Country Mortgage. And yep. he is a pro at this. So he can teach us a few things because he has his, he's like a media expert when it comes to all this. So he, do you still do your radio show? Oh, that's crazy to say, Sharon. I actually do not, but I'm psyched to be here. I've been following your show for a long time. So I'm yeah. super excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you. And I know that we've been on your show in the past and um, I love to watch your little, um, your videos that you do. Yeah. Your little snippets. Those are really, really good that you do with Dave, right? Yes. We're having a lot of fun with those. Yeah, I was going to say we should invite Dave. You guys could talk hockey for the first 10 minutes and then... <laughs> I'm sure everybody would love an update. Well, Mark would love that part of it. Mark would be like, all right, I'll talk hockey. Um, yeah, so you guys do a great job, but can you just let our WATD listeners know who you are and what you've been up to and all the great things that are happening out there right now in your industry? Absolutely. Um, thanks again for having me. And uh, I've been in the mortgage lending business coming up on 19 years now. Uh, and, uh, you know, just seen some crazy markets 
over the years, I'll tell you that, you know, the market that we're in right now is, is, is definitely on the crazier side for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen anything like this, but, um, you know, from a lending perspective, um, you know, there's really never been a better time to borrow money. Rates are low and uh, the lending environment has definitely opened up um, in, in recent months here off of what kind of happened with COVID. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're here to help in any way that we can on the mortgage side. Um, I just want to prepare everybody. I think uh, a lot of people are going to be excited about this topic because we already have a question from somebody who is listening. Holy moly. Yes. So Laurie Campbell, (laughs) Laurie Campbell on Facebook uh, wants to know in this highly competitive market with lots of cash buyers, is it recommended to submit a current credit report with an offer? Hmm. So they're just going to be doing cash? Yeah, just as in this highly competitive market with lots of cash buyers. So maybe maybe for either. So would it make sense? Do you really need to do that? Is that sort of overdoing it or what mm. what would your sort of So what are you seeing on that, that? Chris? Cuz you know, it's that's an interesting question because one of the things we've been hearing a lot and I actually reached out to you because you had done a great piece on, you know, love letters and you know, do you say I do to the love letters? Did you like my little punny that I did in our thing <laughs> earlier? That was pretty good of me to <laughs> share. <laughs> I'm a little punchy. But, you know, I did hear that asking for credit scores and reports and things like that could potentially be a violation of fair housing. Are you hearing any of that? Right. And and honestly, I think providing a credit report to the seller or or listing agent is definitely over the top for a couple different reasons. Number one, they're very difficult to to read and understand if you're not looking at them every day. So it really Mm -hmm. wouldn't mean much to to the normal consumer to to dive into it. Um, But I think it really falls on the lender and the loan officer specifically reaching out to the listing agent and and reinforcing the strength of the borrower and their credit profile mm-hmm. really shouldn't be giving up any personal information or facts about their actual credit but letting the seller know that listen the buyer's got a plus credit they're in great position we have all the docs um everything is in and their debt to income ratio is right in the middle of the bat you're gonna put the seller at ease and let them know that you know you're in the best position possible to buy, and that's really falls on the loan officer. Mm-hmm. Um, she in my she, eyes. Had, a, she mm-hmm. had a follow up comment. So she said, "I'm not a cash buyer, but I'm trying to compete with cash buyers." Oh, so um, it sounds like maybe she's put in a couple offers, and um, although she may be a strong buyer, she's sort of yeah. um, missed out on some properties. And that's something that we're seeing. I mean, Mary, yeah. you, you work primarily as not primarily, but for the most part, you know, as our buyer's agent. And I did notice a few weeks ago the fatigue you're going through. I've been talking to Trish Flynn lately, and uh, hello, Chris. I don't know if you've spoken to her lately, but like <laughs> she is a firecracker because it's so difficult to get into these houses to even get to the point where you can put an offer 100%. in. And then when you do put the offer in, you are competing with people who have a lot of money or a cash buyer. I have been saying this for weeks. The biggest upset for me in this current market is what I see is a very, very clear delineation between the haves and the have nots. And it's not right. I do not think it's fair. Just because 
you know, a lot of people have sold their house, so they have a lot of money that they're holding on to. They, you know, we weren't doing anything during COVID, so people have extra money. But the people who are just starting out don't, you know, they just don't have or, or possibly got uh, furloughed or laid yeah. off, and they had plans. And it's uh, we'll it's, talk about it's some tough. of the, the yeah, CJ and all that. But back to her original question, I sort of agree with Chris that if. I was a listing agent. So we're dealing with multiple offers all the time. So that's what I was just dealing with right before we even came on now, six offers on the property from this weekend. And I'll be honest, if I saw that, uh, you know, a whole, you know, a whole report, I would feel the need to, I'd have to then give it to my seller. But then do you really want your seller dissecting something like that? Like, oh, I see you missed a payment on your Macy's back in 1993 or whatever comes up on those, you know? Lori may even be mentioning not so much a full credit report, but kind of like a screenshot from Credit Karma, like you would kind of see with a rental application, which if you're going to do something like that, I still don't feel as Credit Karma is probably the most accurate or some of those resources like Experian are always going to be super, super accurate. Mm -hmm. So all in all, I just don't think it's a good idea. Like really when it comes to a borrower or a buyer qualifying, I always refer back to what I call the three-legged stool for lending, which is, you know, credit income and assets. So credit is, a major piece to the puzzle, but it's only a piece, right? Mm -hmm. So unless you're going to provide, you know, the credit report plus bank statements, plus pay stubs, which is really just what the lender does, right? Mm -hmm. And is verifying, then it's only one piece to the puzzle. And and, and you need all three legs to have the the stool stand, right? So I agree with that. And I'll tell you, Chris, one thing that I think that you do so well is uh, I know that recently, and I had a conversation with you about this. I don't, and I think, I, I don't know if I brought it up to you, Mary or not, or Melissa, one of you I was talking to, is we ended up having how many offers on Pine Mill? Um, I think eight, eight or nine offers on that. Maybe it was even 10. And three of them were from cross country, right? Is that where you are now, right? Cross country, sorry. that I always feel like I'm going to say that that's something wrong. But so three of them were from his company, which I found so interesting because no other lending company showed up twice. And they were in there three times. And I thought, I brought that up to Chris. I was like, this is really good for you guys because I can see how strong you you are doing. But one of the extra things in what is our, our question, the person who asked the question, what was her first name again? Laurie. Laurie. I'm sorry. I'm literally brain dead. I'm sorry, Laurie. Yeah, who is it? We do. Laurie we Campbell. do. Oh, yeah. I know Laurie Campbell. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know exactly who we're talking to. Oh, yeah. So, okay. I know them very well, actually. Um, but here's the thing is definitely trust the team that you're working with because when I'm a listing, you know, here's the thing. I'm the listing agent. I'm the one that's helping the buy the seller make a decision. And when I go through and I said, oh, Chris Devin, I know him. He does a good job. I have confidence in him. I know it will get done. I know that he's already checked this. I don't have the need to then incorporate all these other pieces. And then Chris also took the extra step and said, sent me a little video. Hey, Sharon and Mary, just wanted to let you know that, you know, I have a client that put in an offer on your property. Want to let you know that I checked this, that, the other thing. They're very well approved. Mm-hmm. That made me feel good. Mm-hmm. I totally but even, agree. But here's the thing that Chris probably didn't know. I don't even need him to do that because as soon as I see his name, I already know that that's that I already have confidence in that. That makes sense. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. But what I, 
I think that, that, that that's one of the big things for buyers today that they have to understand from the lending side is that there's a bunch of really solid mortgage lenders on the South Shore, right? But you mm -hmm. need to make sure that you're working with a professional, somebody local that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing to me is that so many people just turn to think that it's all just about the rate, right? Mm -hmm. Rate or cost. What, what people don't realize, especially now in the market, it, you know, it's more compressed than it's ever been. In my 20 years career, I've never seen anything like this. You can shop from every lender from here to California, okay? And mm -hmm. what you're going to find is that everybody's going to land within really kind of an eight to a quarter percent in most cases to eat to each other, right? It really comes down to the execution and putting together your team, which I'm sure you guys talk about on the show all the time, and I did as well on my show, it really does matter now more than ever. Rates are rates. Mm -hmm. It's the execution and making sure, Lori, that, that you have all your ducks in the row and your pre-approval is rock solid. And when you go to make an offer, your, your loan officer is going to reach out to the listing agent, educate them on your not only your credit, but your income and assets. Not giving them details, but just letting them know that they verified mm -hmm. your financial situation and that you're ready to go, mm -hmm. you know? And I do feel, like I said, as I am looking at all of them, all the different offers, in a lot of instances, like the, the the six that we got here, there was one that was a little bit of a, you know, clear runner, you know, forerunner there, front runner. Front and, um, but like the other ones are all very, very close. I'll tell you, that's what it sometimes is coming down to is who is your loan officer? And I'll be honest, that is one of our key things that we look at first. Mm -hmm. We look at the price. And I always say, just because that's the highest price doesn't mean it's necessarily the best one. And I will tell you, there are times I look and I'm like, I've never worked with this loan officer before. I, I've never even heard of this company. Can you, and I, I don't know if you have questions, but that's one thing I really am interested in, Chris, and I'm hoping that you can educate us and our WATD listeners and all of our friends over on Facebook. What are the differences between, okay, I want to go to a small bank or I want to go to a big bank or what are you considered? Right. Great question. So on on one side, you have the big banks, right? I actually started off my career at Chase. Everybody knows the name. You see it on the billboards. It's on TV and, and it's a huge brand. And what I realized is that a lot of people think because um, they see all these commercials that that's the safest place to go because of the branding, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, not that big banks are bad. Okay. It's, it's just, it's, it's a different fit in that you're, you're stuck strictly to that bank's rates and programs. Okay. Mm -hmm. Typically banks tend to be a little bit more conservative. They have what's called overlays. So you have, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have their general guidelines that everybody abides by for the most part. And then, you know, sometimes banks will put their own, um, requirements or guidelines on top of the regular guidelines. Okay. So um, it's not a bad way to go. In my personal opinion, you know, sometimes people think because they have X amount of money there that they're like a preferred client. In my experience, it's never just, it, it never worked out to be a great deal. And mm -hmm. what I will tell you, not with, with some, not all big banks, but a lot of them work on like service center platforms. Okay. So once you talk to the loan officer, um, you're going to get passed off to a team and you're going to be tied up 
um, you know, in if 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 it's Chase, you're tied into New Jersey, and you're going to get a different person every time you go to pick up the phone. Number one, number two, real estate happens in off hours. It's the reality of our business. I know you guys know this, right? Because you live it every single day. Mm-hmm. And going back to the team, if you can reach out to the loan officer um, and be able to have conversations after hours or on the weekends, that can be the difference in today's market rather than waiting for that loan officer at the big bank to call the listing agent um, you know, on Monday at 11 after they got settled in and had their coffee. You know, I mean, the deal already passed. So yeah. That that's that's really kind of a big difference to to today's world. So you know, the big banks and smaller banks have their rates and programs typically just a little bit more conservative and inside the box. The other side, um, you have mortgage brokers. Okay, mortgage brokers uh, are able to shop for the buyer on their behalf and look at a bunch of different banks and pick you know, the best bank that fits their needs and lowest rate. However, the mortgage broker is just a middleman. Okay, so then they take the loan and then let's say Wells Fargo has the best rate and program for them. They're going to ship it off to Lincoln, Nebraska and the service center and the loan's going to be processed, underwritten, closed through um, through Wells Fargo and the service center. Great because the broker can shop, but they lose a little bit of control. I'm what's called a... Um, correspondent lender, okay? And there's a bunch of great correspondent lenders out there, direct lenders. And I consider it really the best of both worlds in that correspondent direct lenders are able to shop a bunch of different lending institutions and banks, all your major players. Uh, in 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 my case, we work, we do a lot of, of stuff with Fannie and Freddie Direct. We actually have our own portfolio. But the big difference is that our buyers' loans are processed, underwritten, and closed by our team here locally. And why that makes a difference is because, uh, you know, a lot of things come up on a loan. I wish every loan was plain vanilla and was, you know, just ran through the system easily. But mm-hmm. the reality of it is, is that's not the way life goes, right? So if, if things need to get done quickly or need special attention, it's a lot easier to do those things with people that you're talking to every day, that you see on a daily basis. In today's world, it's more Zoom than than in the office. But, you know, I know what my underwriters and my processors are doing tonight, What's good, if they're having good days, bad days. It's just a lot easier to work with people that you know. And, and correspondent direct lenders have that type of platform where they're able not only to shop to get you the best rate, but execute locally, which mm-hmm. is a big deal. So when you were talking about the banks and the big banks, and I also feel like with the big banks, I always consider them sort of like the big clumsy elephant. Like they can't almost like get out of their own way. Like it's just being shuffled from desk to desk. That's what I just picture. And then with the smaller banks, again, nothing wrong with them, but I feel like they're so strict on their guidelines and so strict on what they can do that sometimes they're, they can't get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. But what I think is interesting that you just said is real estate is happening and it's happening really, really fast right now. So even if we take Laurie, you know, what if she got a counter offer on, you know, on the weekend and she has to make an adjustment to her or to her um, pre-approval letter? You can't call somebody at Chase Bank 
on a Saturday, you know what I mean? Yeah. But chances are you could leave, you know, if you don't get in touch with Chris, but you could leave a message and just say, you know what, I have this opportunity. How do you feel about me going up another $10,000 or $15,000, $20,000, whatever it is? Can you give me a new pre-approval letter? That's not happening when you go to these big banks or even a small bank, I don't think. No, right? I agree. I think it's, it's, it's important to have a um, direct connection to whomever your lender is in an open yeah. line of communication, mm-hmm. both between the agent and the buyer. Absolutely. You're listening to uh, Talk Real Estate Roundtable here on WATD. We're also on Facebook. So thank you for joining us. I am Sharon McNamara, the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, who is your sponsor this evening. Uh, We have a special guest with us, Chris Devin, uh, who is the best of the best out there. And he's doing such a great job. I know he works with a lot of our agents in the office as well. And we are uh, taking phone calls. So if you have any questions about the loan process, I know that Chris uh, definitely wants to talk about, you know, people overbidding and that differential between appraisals and not appraising. And I, I, where are we going to end up in a couple of months? That's one of my <laughs> questions because who knows? Yeah. Uh, but you can call Ben who is at the studio, uh, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Or you can uh, send me a text because um, again, just like Tom Brady, I give out my number 781 294 Four, eight. You guys getting sick of me saying that? Never. No, it's still sort of funny. I didn't even know he <laughs> gave out his number, so I didn't did. know it was a thing. Yep. Um, okay, so let's start with um, some of these uh, things that we came up with um, going back and forth today. Um, we do have a question from Kristen Howlett, who is a full-time real estate agent here at Boston Connect Real Estate, sort of jumping towards the end. And it's actually your um, question that you wanted to talk about, Chris. Um, she said, you know, can you explain how a low appraisal can affect buyers in particular or in regard to money down, low loan programs, et cetera? So sort of what you wanted to talk about um, earlier today with um, how, uh, you know, if, if, it, if a property appraises low, what does that mean? What are the options? Right. Great question. And I'm sure you guys are seeing this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but down payment really matters in today's market. Mm -hmm. Right. And they just want to see uh, more of a down payment. So we're dealing with a lot of clients who are who are in a position where they were thinking that they wanted to, let's just say, put 10 or 15 percent down. And now they've they've lost out on a few deals. And like, you know what, we're going to try to pull it together with family. to get a 20% down option. And what I explained to them is, it's because you make the offer at 20%, okay, doesn't mean at the end of the day, you have to you have to put down the 20%, right? You can borrow um, 10% just as long as you get to the closing. Um, you know, I use the analogy of just getting to the number 10, right? Whether it's seven plus three or nine plus one, um, they all equal they all equal 10 right so you know on on the legal side of it when it comes to you know if anything was to happen and this is where the full pre-approval comes into play and everybody has to understand um you know like what 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 their qualifications are but you know if you can pull together that 20 percent it's going to put you in that much better position in today's market. And Sharon, to your point, I really feel bad for a lot of these first-time home buyers, you know, who are coming at at at, at these properties with, you know, three and five percent down. Can it be done? Absolutely. Is it an option? Yes, it is. It's just the reality of today's market is that if you can, you know, bring more to the table, 
uh, it's going to put you in a better position. And um, you know, the down, you know, putting down less and and and. Go sounds, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like we have a caller, Ben. I know you just texted me. So we have Victoria on the phone. Uh, Victoria, can you hear us? Yeah. <laughs> Victoria, are you there? She might have hung up. Okay. okay. Well, Victoria, we lost, call back. Yeah, we <laughs> lost Victoria, but give us yeah, a buzz. Give us a call back. So, so continuing on, um, Chris, you were talking about um, how to get to kind of like point A to point B. And it is something that we stress to our buyers, especially our first time home buyers right now is it's really hard to get your offer accepted if you you don't have that big chunk because what's happening is buyers are going so aggressively over asking right. that if they are not able to make up the difference in appraisal amounts, and this is kind of coming full circle as to what Kristen's um, question was, if they're not able to make up the difference in appraisals, sometimes the deals can end up falling apart, mm -hmm. right? And right. The, the listing agent, so Sharon's trying to make sure that the deal is as secure for her sellers as possible um, by saying, you know, all right, we put a house on the market for six hundred thousand. You're offering us six fifty. We don't think the value of the house is six fifty. We think it's six hundred. You're telling me that it's six fifty. Ergo, if it doesn't appraise at six fifty, we're going to want you to come to the table with the difference, right? Great, perfect. So, I mean, that that did that, I line that up for you? You did perfectly. Okay. <laughs> I want to use real numbers that I actually shared with you guys earlier, just because yeah. it's right in front of me. Mm -hmm. So, I had a client. Um, that was over in Stoughton. It was a 475 list price. Okay. Um, and they were ultimately looking to get the offer accepted at 530, right? So so we're so we're 55,000 over asking, which is very common in today's market, right? Mm -hmm. But their big concern is what if it appraises at 500? What if it appraises at at the list price? Mm -hmm. And the biggest misconception out there is that the buyer has to come up with the difference. Mm -hmm. A lender, follow me on this, a lender, a bank is going to lend, like let's say in this case, it was 20% down. Okay, so 80% of the purchase price or the appraised value, the lesser of the two. They're gonna go off of the lesser value, okay? So if we had a, a, a a purchase price accepted offer at 530 and it appraised at 500,000, okay, the 80% the of 530,000 is 424,000. 80% of 500,000 is 400,000. So there's a $24,000 gap, right? Mm -hmm. And what I hear every single day in the market is, well, you gotta make up the difference. And if this was two years ago, what would we do? We go back and renegotiate, right? And maybe find somewhere in the middle or yeah. maybe mm -hmm. the seller would bring it down. That's the farthest thing from reality in today's market, right? Mm -hmm. So what do we do as buyers? Well, I mean, the worst option is to come up with the difference. Really, you, you, you can use what's called a single premium mortgage insurance, okay? So in the case of this, if it appraises at 500, Mm -hmm. And we'll show the buyer if we kept the loan amount the exact same as if you were putting down 20% at 530, if we kept that loan amount at 424, that's going to give you just about an 85% loan to value. But if you don't have 20% equity, what happens? You have PMI, right? Mm -hmm. So there's two different ways to look at it. 
most people will choose the path of, of doing what's called a single premium. So in the case of my buyer today, that single premium mortgage insurance was $1,399.20, bucks mm-hmm. to deal with no PMI and to you know, be in the same situation as if it appraised at 530,000. That's a swing of $22,500 approximately that this person thought they were gonna have to come out of pocket 24 grand. The reality of it is we do what's called a single premium, MI, for 1400 bucks and you're in the same position. Now taking it one step further, what if it appraised at the list price, which this listing agent was adamant that they actually put it on lower than it should have been and she, she knew it was gonna create this this bidding war situation and everybody knows you it's going to problem. You can't do that. Just saying. You're not supposed to do that. Not supposed to do that. Uh, Listing agent, you're not supposed to do that. I'm just, I, I'm, I know. Just, I'm just, I'm just giving you the feedback from, from, mm-hmm. the, from the conversation today. Okay. Don't kill the messenger, right? Right, right. I'm just telling you what, what happened. So it, it was, it was priced very fairly. How about we okay. say that? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So it was priced very fairly, and and there was no concern about it coming in less than five hundred. But it was it, the list price was four seventy five. Well, to that same point, now we're at a ninety percent loan to value, but that same cost of MI to put you back in the situation of the the the, the same exact payment and loan as the twenty percent down at a five thirty value was just over twenty eight hundred dollars. It was like twenty eight twenty. So why have again, I never heard of this yeah. before? I have been in this business for twenty years and i have never heard of this i've never heard of it never heard of it why why is that are know, you just that good chris no i'm honestly I <laughs> are you giving away your secrets right now yeah this is a secret so this is a secret <laughs> well because is it is I mean, a secret that is that is huge i mean i'm sure there's financial qualifications that line you up to be in this category right like it's not just like everybody who has 20 percent could potentially qualify for this correct um, I'm talking about in this situation, a conventional loan, but the buyer's just a normal buyer. You know, I mean, look at the price point. We're talking, it was like a 768 credit score, debt to income ratio, middle of the bat. They were fully pre-approved and this is a great option. You know, the other option is people can go to to PMI and and I, to pay the monthly MI, which is another great option for these people, when I priced it out, let's just go to worst case scenario was if it if it appraised at the 475, they were paying like $53 a month. Mm-hmm. That's what now, PMI. Yeah, in, okay. in, in this situation, which is really not that bad. Think about the market that we're in and what people are doing to, to win deals. If somebody said, this is my home that I want to raise my family in, mm-hmm. we need to be in this house. We know the market in the greater Boston area that, that we live in. We're lucky to be here. Real estate really holds value mm-hmm. and it appreciates, right? I'm seeing most of my clients get rid of PMI within a couple, two or three years. Mm-hmm. So is it worth paying, you know, 53 bucks a month extra? Mm-hmm. So that's a myth buster right there because there's a there's a big nasty rumor that goes around that tells people, tells buyers that they can never get rid of their PMI. And I don't know where that came from, but I hear that's it all the with time. With FHA. You, so with FHA, with, with FHA, FHA, correct. You can never, ever, ever get rid of it unless, unless you die until out of you it. refinance out. But yes, yeah. or, uh, it, an FHA loan that is correct. Mm-hmm. But still, you can refinance. So it's not that you can never get rid of it. It's just you have to refi. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. But guys, where I think this really comes in handy, and you're hearing it, I'm sure every day is is mortgage con- um, appraisal 
contingencies, mm-hmm. right? This works. Yeah. The calculated so, risk, but in today's market, we're seeing a lot of things waived that we've never seen before or not, not at the rate that we're seeing them waived, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty safe play for a lot of people. Yeah, so okay. that's the thing is, so it's almost like the insurance, they would buy that, they would get that upfront from you, right? That mortgage insurance, is that how it works? So the mortgage just insurance if it doesn't happen. is what's called a single premium, Yeah. okay? So it's a one-time cost that's paid at the closing, lump sum. Okay. Okay, so it's like, think of it as your loan to value went from 80 to 85. You can pay a single premium, it's 1400 bucks. People say, I don't want PMI. I don't want to even think about it. Okay, great. Here's the cost. It beats the heck out of the $24,000 difference yeah. in the appraisal coming in low. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and let's let's stay on appraisals for a second because I keep on talking about this and I brought it up that I feel where we are right now, things are just, they haven't caught up with each other. So let's just use an example of, you know, houses on the market with your numbers here. It's on for 475 it um, is has a sale price of 530 and let's just say that it appraises at 500 okay so let's just say that that's a three bedroom ranch okay and i don't even know what town let's say hanover okay so now i go to do another cma on a three bedroom ranch in hanover raised ranch in hanover and I'm using that 530 in MLS as my comp. But what I don't see as a real estate agent is that it really didn't appraise at that. It sold for that, but it appraised for 500. So our numbers are, are off. Like what we're now pricing houses for are, are off. Is, is potentially. It's higher oh. than it should be. They're artificially inflated yes. based on people coming to the table with so much money and with this single premium, right? Correct. So that's, yeah. So now the raised ranch is worth 530. Somebody's going to come in and they're going to offer 550. So you know what I mean? But no one ever knows. Like I don't look in an MLS. I can't look and say, oh yeah, look, it sold for this, but it really appraised for that. Right. So this is now the value. But in reality, it then becomes a comp. Yeah. So your 530 becomes a comp and it just keeps going and so ah, on. Well, and that's so on. what I was going to say. I said it, it It might matter now that it didn't appraise, but in six months when an appraiser is looking at that sale, they have the same well, information. That's, that's, the, that's the information. So now it, it's just driving the, the property value up because the appraiser is just going to be looking at the mm-hmm. six. So when you go to a property in six months, that's what you yeah. look at. So, mm-hmm. but right for right now, it's the in between you know, until we get all those six months worth. That's just what I'm saying. It's artificially being inflated, period, amen. All right. What are some other good things we want to talk about here, Mel? <laughs> Chris is like, I, I we get need it. inventory. If you guys are thinking <laughs> about selling anytime soon, inventory makes a lot of these these things go away, right? Yes, yes. And we are doing our best. We put four on last week. We put one on this week. Uh, got another one coming. Another one coming. Oh, we have a, did a CMA today. So yeah, we're working. We're trying. We're trying. Um, yeah, so we have um, Kristen Hallett, again, uh, in all caps, why have we never heard of this? Um, <laughs> and then Trish Flynn, who is a full-time realtor at Boston Connect Real Estate. Um, she is part of Team Flynn with her husband, Nick. She says the buyers are pushing the prices by paying over. Uh-huh. I think that's an important point is that it's we've never been in a market so much so that the buyers are actually dictating the prices. Uh-huh. So it's not us going, it's not real estate agents. And it's really, in some cases, not even sellers saying, hey, my house is worth $700,000. Like, 
and really in all reality it's six hundred thousand dollars it's potentially the buyer the buyer who knows that this is the forever house and is so incredibly um emotional and dedicated to being or committed i should say to being in that specific location that they're the ones who are are willing to pay that hundred thousand yeah. dollars over asking it, it's it's such a strange phenomena well they're see. they're they're it's it's not making much sense to me because the buyers are the ones that are pushing each other up and out so Mary, you haven't been, you know, Chris and I are very familiar with the time when it really came down to banks were given no doc loans. Mm. Uh, you know, the appraiser knew the loan officer. There was all this stuff going on where things shouldn't have appraised and they did. So that was definitely all big bank type stuff that was happening. Mm -hmm. But right now, the you know, Chris is telling people this is what you can afford. And there some people are looking what $100,000 less than what they can afford just so they can overbid by $100,000. Yeah. yeah. It's reckless, sure. but I work for the seller, so my job is to get you the most amount of money. So I don't. It's but weird. I, I feel like, and sorry, and not to cut you off, but I feel like that's where where a lot of listing agents feel. They tr truly, they feel as if, okay, well, we don't even necessarily one hundred percent believe in this number, but we're obligated to do what's best for our client. Ergo, we're going to get you the best deal, and you, and then when you're on the flip side, on the buyer side, you're like, why is this happening? I yelled at somebody this weekend. I was like, no, I'm not waiving my mortgage contingency. No, I'm not waiving my home inspection. You can go pound sand. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> one of the things too, Chris, that you said earlier, and it seems like we're doing all the talking, Chris is doing none. Um, but yeah, we only have about eight or so minutes left. Right. So. I just want to give them kudos for something else too, is that, you know, for me as a listing agent, when I'm looking through, so I got six offers today and I did know one of the loan officers on there and I had a question for him and I called him. He didn't answer his phone, but anyways, I did call him just to say, hey, can you just verify this? And I did call you, Chris, when you were you when you had an offer on one of my listings. I called you. I said, hey, can you tell me this, that? And we were talking about appraisal stuff because they were saying that the appraisal was not going to, um, you know, change or sway their decision on buying the house. So, right. all right, you can go with another questions unless Chris, you have some questions or any of our listeners, 781-837-4900. Uh, you are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with Chris Devin here with us this evening. We're talking all things money and loans. Um, do we wanna talk about we, um, waiving mortgage contingency? Yeah, what we, that we only like? have a few minutes left, so let's get to the most important parts. Is there anything that you guys wanna? That, I have a question about that. Okay. Because I really don't know. When somebody waives a mortgage contingency, what does that exactly mean? Because if they're saying, I, 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 don't, I, I don't have to worry about like mortgage commitment and all this other stuff, but let's just say they can't get the loan at the end of the day, where would that money come from? Like a 401k or something? No, I mean, if, if somebody's waiving their mortgage contingency, now they're putting themselves in a position where they can't get their deposit back, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, that is there out throughout the process to get to a point where something gets uncovered and you say, you know what, you don't qualify. The buyer then gets their deposit back, which is typically 5%, right? In mm -hmm. today's world, which is a lot of money to anybody. So you never wanna be in that position. Waiving a mortgage consent contingency is is like a phenomenon in today's market this is just crazy and in i i've seen it happen more in the past 
90 days than I feel like I saw her in the past mm -hmm. nine years. It, mm -hmm. it really is amazing. I don't like it. It makes me uneasy every single time. And it honestly puts a lot of pressure on us, right? Because mm -hmm. now people are saying, well, should we do it? And now you're helping somebody with their money make a major decision. Um, and that's a lot. Now, what we're doing to kind of get through that, and I can only speak for myself and my team, is we're doing what's called fast track approvals. So back to our point with the pre-approvals and, and putting yourself together with an A-team, we're saying to our buyers, hey, listen, this is the process. It is what it is. Get us everything ASAP. Let us get you through underwriting, fully underwritten, so there's no hurdles. Because you could be in a position where they're going to ask you to waive a mortgage contingency. And if you you know, didn't get us everything that we need, income, assets, W-2s, pay stubs, tax returns, et cetera, to, to completely vet your situation, you're going to be on the phone on a Sunday night and the offers are going to be in two, uh, due in two hours and you're going to have to make, make a decision. I'm going to say, remember when mm -hmm. last Thursday we asked you for and you dragged your feet on it, I can't tell you in good conscience to waive this because we don't have all of your information, right? So waiving a mortgage contingency is a big deal. I don't want to discount it. Is it happening in today's market? It is. I would only suggest it if, if you have worked with your lender, completely vetted your whole situation um, and, and really gone through it in great detail to know that everything is rock solid. You know, what, what you're rolling the dice on is that, you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day with our buyers, I say, listen, you're, you're, you're fully approved subject to contract and in some cases appraisal. Um, and we're rolling the dice on job loss, but that that's going to happen anyways. And you just hope in today's market, it comes down to humans and potentially mm -hmm. somebody understanding your situation. If you were to lose a job that you get your money back, mm -hmm. but just going down the path of getting a pre-qualification or, you know, talking to, I'm going to not reference in a specific company, but one that might be a tie to a rocket, let's say. Um, you know, I was literally thinking the same thing. A, book, a bookkeeping company. You know, <laughs> you're rolling the dice and these are major decisions that have to be made in today's market. It's a reality of, of what we're doing today. Yeah. And you know? you know what, Chris, this is the thing. It's just like listening to you talk and it just feels, you know, we, I think as a, as a real estate team, we're very genuine about, you know, what we want. We want the best for our clients, whether mm -hmm. it's our buyers or our sellers. And see, like if people who are listening on WATD can't see you um, on Facebook, but you're, you're squirming in your seat as you're even discussing the possibility yeah. of somebody giving up a mortgage contingency. But that makes me feel good to have a client in your hands because you're not going to offer that suggestion to them unless you 100% know it's a, it's a slam dunk. So that makes me feel, feel good. Money. Yeah. No, yeah. People, it's, it, it's not monopoly money. Life, life savings in a lot of situations that you have to take that seriously. And it's our fiduciary responsibility to tell our clients to do the best thing. That's why we'll never tell somebody don't do a home inspection. If you don't want to do it, you're signing a waiver that it wasn't our idea. So, um, but it was, did you see his body language yeah. change? I mean, he was up, he was rolled, he's moving all over. Like, I don't like it. <laughs> so. It's, it's, it's a no. tough topic of conversation because, uh, and I keep hearing you say, is it a reality of what's happening in the market today? Absolutely. Is it something that people are using as a tool? Absolutely. Can I recommend it in every situation? Heck no. 
Mm-hmm. Ag double hockey sticks now. Ab- well, like, he likes hockey sticks. Abso- absolutely not. Go, like it's, <laughs> that, that's it. the Catholic school in me. We're not allowed <laughs> to say it. Um, but seriously, it's it. And it, I guess for me, it comes more down to home inspections. In all reality, is because clients ask us all the time, "Should I be waiving my home inspection?" I go, "Here's the reality. Here's what it looks like. Here's your worst case scenario, and here's your best case scenario." Um, at the end of the day, it's ultimately up to you. I can tell you, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Not my choice, though. Mm-hmm. Right. right? And that's a, that's a tough conversation to have. Right. It is. And especially can... with the prices that we're dealing with on the South Shore, it's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a small purchase. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, Chris, why don't you give your contact information? Uh, we only have a couple minutes, so I don't want it to get cut off. Um, so why don't you give your contact information to all of our listeners so they can get in touch with you to get pre-approved. And hopefully everybody does. They, mm-hmm. Hopefully they maybe wait until the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get all these guys. flooded you with calls now. go to my website, <laughs> which is just my name, chrisdevin.com, um, D-E-V-I-N. Uh, that's the best way to find me. And my, my direct line is 617-429-3976. Can you give that one more time? Sure. 617-429-3976. Should have remembered that, Sharon, from, from my radio days. <laughs> <laughs> and again, uh, it's chrisdevin.com. And do you have application process? Can somebody, if somebody is interested in starting that process with you, can they go right on there and start that right process? Right online. Yep. All it right. says apply now, reach out anytime, and more than happy to help in any way that I can. That's awesome. And I know, you know, your company, it seems like it was newer, like when you started at Cross Country, right? And now, like I said, get 10 offers and three of them are coming from that company. That says a lot for what's going on over there. Right. No, and the company's been around for a long time, almost 20 years, but it's new to this area. But uh, I've never been at a better company. Couldn't be happier. And and we'll, we'll do, like I said, whatever we can do to help. So perfect. People can also follow you on social media as well. So uh, Chris has a lot of good information that's mm-hmm. going on out there as well and gives a lot of good tips and Makes tricks. It fun. He does. He really does. And um, I'm just going to probably end with this is we've been giving our top tip for buyers. Could you share your top, top tip for any buyer out there? Oh, that's a good one. I would say just make sure you are fully prepared. Go into the buying process, build your A-team, listen to the professionals, and don't drag your feet. Like, be prepared to go to war in today's market. I hate to say it, but it's it's the reality. And, you know, from the lending side, get fully pre-approved. People want to talk about rates and all that stuff. It's like, no, just get everything in.